this, I know the roads are less than ideal. Uh, please be careful on your way home. But thanks for coming out. There's more people, I thought, here hungry to hear the word of the Lord, hungry to worship. So thank you. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning, Lord God. Even though it's snowy, Lord God, and not very good traveling conditions, Father God, we thank you that there are still people who are willing to come, Lord God. And even like the Bible says, Lord, that men have hazarded their lives for the gospel, Lord God. In a way, we've done that this morning, Lord, by coming, traveling dangerous roads. And Father God, I pray, Lord, that you loved our worship for you, Father God. And Lord, I pray that you anoint the rest of this service, Lord. Anoint me, Father God. Anoint this word, Lord. But we thank you that we can gather here in your name. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So please keep mom and dad in prayer that they would enjoy themselves. Uh, if you know their traveling history, they don't travel very well. Usually it ends up with an emergency room visit or a horrible sickness of some type. So far, I believe they're doing okay. So that's good. It's a step in the right direction. Well, the other day, I was praying, and I always pray that uh, my ears will be open and my eyes will be open. I'll be able to see and hear from the Lord because the way that this works, when a man comes up to preach the Word of God, it is not what I think this church needs. You see, that, that would lead us astray and, and bring ultimate damnation. What happens is a man has to say, Lord, you speak the words into me. So it was actually a couple Wednesdays ago. I, was, I always pace back and forth here on Wednesday nights when we pray, and I was saying, Lord, speak to your servant, you know, knowing that I'd be uh, doing the service this morning. And I was praying, God, let me hear, let me perceive, speak to your servant. And I believe God did, and he gave me a word, which I'll tell you in a moment. But I was praying and thinking about the, the sin that has manifested itself, the ungodliness and the disobedience, especially in this nation, and even in myself, in us. And God gave me just one little word that, that I feel that he impressed upon me and kind of spoke to me and just popped right into my head, and, and the word was cursed, okay? I know that's not a very friendly word, but that word just came to me as I was praying. So I, I went home, and I started looking into this word, seeing what the Bible had to say about cursings and and the word cursed in the word. So that's kind of where a lot of this is coming from. Now, when I say the word cursed, I know that curse can mean a curse word. I don't mean that. I know curse can mean a, a hex or a jinx. I don't mean that. I know curse can be some sort of occultic type thing. I don't mean that. Uh, what I mean when I say cursed, and I kind of looked this up and found a, a definition that I liked that I felt that God was speaking this type of cursing was resulting adversity, okay? Meaning, if you sin, if you are disobedient to God, there will be some type of curse, there will be some type of resulting adversity that comes because of disobedience. So when I say the word cursed, what I believe the Lord's speaking to me when he said that word cursed is resulting adversity. Now, if, if I cheat on my wife, there's going to be some resulting adversity, right? If I lie, sooner or later, there's going to be some resulting adversity because of the curse of sin. Resulting adversity, okay? So we're going to open with Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 11, if you have your Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26. It states it very blunt. 
Guys in a booth will do the best they can to maybe get them up on the scriptures. If not, read your Bible. It says, Deuteronomy eleven twenty six says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. 27, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I commanded you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. I like that because it's blunt right there. And here we have these two options, if you will. Set before every single one of us in here this morning is two choices. Very simple. You choose door number one, a blessing, or door number two, a cursing. Okay, door number one is blessing, cursing. It's one of those two. Those are the choices that God has set before us as individuals this morning. You got two options. Option A, the blessing, or option B, a cursing. Okay, now you would think... Brother, this is going to be an easy service because I'll take option A. I'll go through door number one, the blessings, because who's going to pick door number two, right? Let's pray and dismiss and be done with it. But not so fast, you see, because door number one, blessings, which I think we would all be inclined to take blessings. After all, who would just choose cursing? Door number one has some stipulations with it, okay? There's some criteria that needs met with door number one. Those criteria that needs met is obedience to his word. You have to obey his word. You have to love his word, listen to his word. You have to obey his commands and his statutes. You can't turn to other gods. There is criteria that needs met for door number one. There are some conditions. It's only applicable to you if you obey his commandments. See, door number one only applies if you obey. If you obey what the word says. If it says thou shalt not, you can't do it. Amen? If it says flee, you have to flee it. In order for you to be able to choose this door number one and receive those blessings, and you have to obey what this word says. If the word says avoid, if the word says to abstain from, you have to avoid. You have to abstain from whatever it's talking about. And we know that the word has things in there that say to avoid certain things, to abstain things from things. <clears throat> if it says flee, you have to flee it. If the word says to do this, then you have to do this. You have to obey what the word says in order for door number one to apply to you. In order to be able to walk through that door, you have to obey the word of the Lord. It says, a blessing if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God. A blessing if ye obey. And that tiny little word if is a conditional word. That blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey. See, door number two, on the other hand, the cursings, there's no stipulations at all to that door. You can do whatever you like if you walk through that door. Now, granted, it will be cursed, but there's no stipulations. You don't have to listen to the pastor you don't have to listen to anybody giving you any of these commands from the word. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. That's door number two. That's option number two. But it will be cursed. 
the hand of God will curse whatever it is you do if you choose to do the way you want to do, other than obey. See, when you disobey, and I know this is harsh, but when you disobey, God's curse is upon your decision. It is upon your decision. You want to walk through door number two, that's okay. Do whatever you want to do. Spend your time doing however you want to do the things you want to do in your life. But mark my words, God's blessing is not on it and cannot be on it. And vice versa, it will be cursed. Not only not blessed, it will be cursed by the hand of the Lord. It will be. So door number two, you don't have to listen to anyone. You don't have to obey the word. Do what you want to do. That's your two options that the Lord has set before each one of us this morning. Door number one and door number two. There are strings attached to door number one. And there's no strings attached to door number two. Cursings. Now door number two, as opposed to this door number one where there's blessings but you have to obey, door number two is much easier to walk through. It's much easier to do whatever in the world you want to do than obey this word. But if you walk through door number two, remember our definition, resulting adversity, you will have resulting adversity because of your decision if you walk through door number two. Every day we wake up, these two doors are before us. Every choice that we have, we have these two doors Which one are we going to take? Which option will I choose, this door or that door? Every tiny decision we make, every big decision we make, every financial decision we make, if it's not obedient to the word of God, we'll have resulting adversity. Uh, I believe that Jesus even refers to these two doors. I believe Jesus refers to these two options in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. If you have your Bible, turn there. Remember, we're talking about these two doors, these two different options. Now, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, he says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life. And few there be that find it. Now here we have Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he's giving us these two options again. He's given us the straight and narrow path, or the wide, broad path that lots of people travel. Here we have it again in the New Testament and the Old Testament. It's the same thing. The same thing. You have two options. You have two doors you can walk through. You have two paths you can travel. One of them will be blessed and one of them will be cursed. One of them is straight and narrow and it's tough to walk on. One of them is broad and wide and there's lots of people on it because it's easier. One of them is blessed and one of them is cursed. And brothers and sisters, these two doors are before every one of us every day of our lives. Which one will you choose? Which one will you walk through? Door number one, we must be obedient. James says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Two different options, door number one or door two. Which one will you take? Now, 
before you pick a door, before you say, well, door number one, I want blessing. Before you say that, we've got to make informed decisions, right? When when you go to vote, you can't just be a big dummy and go check boxes. You have to be an informed voter, right? You have to learn some things about the candidates you're about to cast your ballot for, right? So before we choose which door to go through as individuals, as Christian folks, we better make an informed decision, right? About these two doors. I believe to help us better make this decision, we can look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. This talks about what happens to us when you choose one of these doors. It kind of tells us what happens if you choose door number one, and then it tells us what happens if you choose door number two. Now, if you're not familiar with Deuteronomy chapter 28, it's a very long chapter. Don't worry, I won't read all of it to you, but it's a very interesting chapter. I encourage you, sometime this week, maybe you can read through Deuteronomy chapter 28. Remember that. Okay, I'm going to read Deuteronomy 28 verse 1. Now, this is talking about door number one, blessings, okay? Blessings unto obedience, if we obey. It says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Verse 2, And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Three, blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall thou be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of the ground, and the fruit of the cattle, and the increase of thine kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shalt be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou come in. Blessed shalt thou be when you go out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and shall flee before you seven ways. Verse 8, the Lord shall command the blessings upon thee in the storehouses and in all that thou set thy hands unto. He shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God gives thee. Verse 9, the Lord shall establish thee as in holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his way. Now those are some of the things that he will bless if you keep his commandments, if you walk in the way that he has set out. That's door number one. More on door number one. Let's skip to verse 12. Okay, the Lord says, the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season and to bless all the work of thy hand and thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail and thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath if that thou hearkens unto the commandments of the Lord thy God which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. Verse 14, and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. That's door number one. The Bible says he will bless your cattle, your herds, your everything that you set your hands to do will be blessed. 
But remember, those strings are attached. We can't turn to the left. We can't turn to the right. We have to observe his word. We have to have his word in us. We have to obey. We have to be obedient unto God's word. Amen? That's door number one. He will bless everything that we set our hands to do. God's blessing will be upon it. God's favor will be upon your decision to walk through this door if you are obedient. Note that it says, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. That'll be important here in a moment. Okay, that's door number one. Okay, so now we're, we're becoming a little more educated on this decision that's before us, on these two doors that are before us. We're starting to educate ourselves. We know a little bit more about what happens if we walk through door number one. We just read about it. Okay, now door number two, cursings. Okay, what, what do you mean cursing? What's, what's going to be cursed? What's going to happen to me if I want to do it my own way? What's going to happen to me if I don't obey? Well, back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I have a little bit more reading, okay? We're going to pick up where we left off in verse 15. It says, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Verse 16, Cursed shall thou be in the city, and cursed shall thou be in the field. 17, cursed shall thy be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of the body and the fruit of the land and the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. 19, cursed shall thou be when thou comes in and cursed shall thou be when you go out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursings, vexations, and rebuke in all that thou set thy hand unto do until thou be destroyed and until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings whereby thou hast forsaken me. Okay, that's door number two. Uh, all those cursings and vexations and all, everything will be cursed that you set your hand to do. Okay, let's pick back up in verse 39. Skip to verse 39. And it says, Thou shalt plant vineyards, now, this is more of the cursing stuff. Thou shalt plant vineyards and dress them, but thou shalt neither drink of the wine nor the grapes, or, nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. Verse 40, thou shalt have olive trees throughout all thy coasts, but thou shalt not anoint thyself with the oil, for thine olives shall cast his fruit. Thou shalt beget sons and daughters, but thou shalt not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. All thy trees and the fruit of the land shall the locusts consume, that the stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. He shall lend to thee, and thou shalt not lend to him. Now listen, he shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee, and shall pursue thee, and overtake thee, till thou be destroyed, because thou hearkens not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. Okay, that is the two choices that we have. When God talks about cursing, it's pretty much everything that you set your hand to do, your job, your finances, all of it will be cursed if you're not obedient unto the word. Now, you know what I thought was interesting when I read Deuteronomy chapter 28. You look back at verse 3, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 3, and it says, Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. 
Now look at verse 16. Cursed shall thou be in the city, and cursed shall thou be in the field. Now go back to verse 4. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of the ground, and the fruit of the cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks, and the sheep. Now look back at verse 18. It says the same thing, except one word replaced. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of the land, the increase of thine kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Look at verse 5. It says, Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Now verse 17 says, Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. It's the same stuff, just the only word that's changed is blessed and cursed. All based on the decision that we make to obey him or to disobey him. That, that's what we have before us. In a nutshell, that's what we have presented in front of us every day of our lives is these two options. Am I going to obey the Lord today or am I going to do whatever I want to do? Throw a tantrum, yell when I'm driving, hate people that I work with, be, treat my spouse poorly, be a poor mother or a father, or am I going to be obedient and do what the Lord has commanded me to do and it will be blessed. See, if we do things the way we want to do them, there will be resulting adversity. Now, here, here we come to the crux of the matter. Okay? We have established that there's these two choices. And, and we're either going to be blessed or cursed based on our decision to be obedient or disobedient. But here's the, the crux of it. Why does God, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I have. Why does God have to be so extreme? Okay, why does God have to say you're either blessed or all these horrible cursings? Like we read the comparison between the blessing and the cursing in Deuteronomy 28. Why does it have to say, blessed shall be thy store? And blessed, or why does it have to say, cursed shall? Why is he so, so polarized, if you will? Why is it either this way or that way? Why does he give us two doors? Why can't the Lord make a third door that's in the middle, if you will, where I'll obey sometimes, but sometimes I might not. You know, I don't want all these cursings, Lord, but I do want some blessings. Why can't he give us a middle option? Why can't the Lord relax just a little bit? Okay, God in heaven, who we know created the heavens and the earth, why can't the Lord have a little more relaxed view on disobedience? Why does he only say blessings or cursings? I don't know if you've ever thought of that or not. You know, why, why, Lord, if I disobey, why has all my stuff got to be cursed? Why, why do you got to be so extreme, Lord? No, he, he, the Bible says that we just read it. He'll send cursings and vexations. All this negative bad stuff will be reflected and manifest itself in my life if I don't obey. Why you got to be that way, Lord? Why is he like that? Why is there no middle door? Can't he just chill out a little bit, just a little bit over sin? Can't he just chill out a little bit over some of these cursings? Have you ever thought of that? Why he only gives us two doors, obedience leaving, leading to blessings and disobedience leading to cursings. Why is he so polarized? Why, why is there no gray area with God? Why does he just see black or white? Okay, you know, I, I wonder why God in heaven can't look down at me and say, 
you know, Jason, I saw you lusting after that other woman that wasn't your wife. But, Jason, I made you to be attracted to the opposite sex. I'll let this one slide, but try to do better next time, okay? Well, we'll let it slide. Why isn't God that way? Why, why, why can he not accept just a little bit of sin, a little bit of gray area? Have you ever thought of that? You know, we see God threatening us in this word with what will happen to us if we disobey. You know, because he's not like that. He, there is no gray area with God. There is no door number three with God. We see here that there is only blessings and cursings, okay? That's how he is. Why? If we look at the way God views sin, he detests sin. Read your Bible. If you can find anything other than that. Matter of fact, the Bible actually even says, there's verses in Proverbs that says he hates certain things. He hates them. Okay, this good God that's, that's so good has hatred feelings towards sin. Okay, he hates when we have a proud look, the Bible says. He hates it. The Bible says he hates a lying tongue that bears false witness. He hates it. The Bible says he hates it when you sow discord among the brethren. He hates that. When that happens, he hates it. This good God up in heaven, he hates when that happens. The Bible says that sin is an abomination to God. It's repulsive to God. It repulses him. He's, oh, I, uh-uh. no, I, no, I want nothing to do with that. I hate when that happens. The Bible says he hates divorce even. He hates it. You, you can read in your word from cover to cover and you will see God maintains the same attitude towards sin in the entire Bible. It repulses him. Why, why is he like that? Why is he so polarized? Why can't he just chill out just a little bit, Lord? Why can't you be a little more understanding to the human condition? But he hates it. That, that's how he is. The Bible says he hates feet that run to mischief. And he hates it. He hates when we sow discord among the brethren. Sin's an abomination to God. He detests it. He abhors sin. Sin repulses God. God rejects sin. It stinks to him. It stinks to his nostrils, to his senses. Why? Why is God like that? I'll tell you why God is like that. Why God is so repulsed by sin. And listen. Listen. It is because God is morally perfect, brothers and sisters. He is perfect. God cannot accept sin at all. Not even tiny, little, itty-bitty sin. Not even a little, itty-white lie that we think won't hurt anyone. God rejects it and detests it because he's morally perfect. The Bible says no unrighteousness is found in him. The Bible says no evil is found within God at all. He is perfect. God cannot lie. He doesn't even have the ability to lie. That's why this repulses God. Because sin, brothers and sisters, is the exact opposite of what God is. Can you understand that? Can you grasp that? God is morally perfect. He's not close he's perfect 
God is purely virtuous. God is wholly truthful. God has no blemishes, brothers and sisters. None. He has no blemishes. The Bible says no evil dwells within him. He's perfectly just. He is the very definition of goodness. He's the very definition of truth. The word says he is love. He's the very definition of what love is. That's why he cannot accept even just little tiny sins because he is perfect. He's perfect, a perfect being. Think of something good. Maybe you can think of kissing your spouse or something. I don't know about you, but I love to kiss my wife. It's good to me. If think of something good, maybe you like a, there's nothing to you like a big bowl of chocolate ice cream with some sprinkles or whipped cream or whatever it might be. Think of something good right now. It, do you have it in your mind? Does everyone have something good in your mind? God is infinitely better. God is infinitely more good than whatever good thing you can think of. That's how good God is. This is why he can't accept sin. This is why he sees it only in black and white. Psalms chapter 92 verse 15 says, To show that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. There's no unrighteousness in him at all. None, not even a tiny little speck of something wrong with him. There's nothing wrong. He's perfect. There is nothing more good than God. We can conceive of nothing better than God. In sin, brothers and sisters, is the opposite of what God is. That's why he rejects it on all levels, big and little. God's curse now listen, God's curse is upon us when we disobey because he cannot bless a decision to not obey. He cannot. It's not even in him. He can't bless. When you say, I'm going to do it my way today. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Don't nobody tell me what to do. I'm not obeying nothing. When you say that, he cannot bless that decision. He can't because there is no unrighteousness in him. He's just. He's so holy and he's so pure that he can't let it slip. He cannot take a relaxed stance against sin. It's not even in him. He can't. He can't look lightly upon it. This, that is why there's no door number three. That's why God doesn't give us a middle ground. That's why God doesn't give us a door in between the two choices. It's because he's so perfect and holy and pure that to him, he rejects disobedience to him as sin. It's sin or it's not sin to God. Now, if we go back to our opening text in Deuteronomy Remember, it says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing or a cursing. That's all that God gives you is those two choices. I'd like to tell you there's a middle door, there's a middle ground, but that's all he gives us because that's who he is. That's all he gives us. 
those two choices. Obedience unto blessings and favor or disobedience unto cursings and vexations. Those are your two choices that you have before you every day of your life. Now, I want to go back to door number one. Now, I think this is awesome because to me it ties it all together. Now, brothers and sisters, if you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, the more I read the Bible, the more I study the Bible, the more they both come perfectly together. Now, the one does not oppose the other. They actually intermesh just perfectly. The more you study and read and see, the more you'll see it perfectly come together they coincide with one another. It's, it's perfect. And we look back at the New Testament now. Okay, now we've been talking about these doors. Okay, door number one is obedience unto blessing. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says in John chapter 10. And I'll bring this to a close shortly. Door number one, John chapter 10. Remember these doors we've been talking about, the two options. John chapter 10 verse 9. Jesus says, I am the door. Isn't that awesome? I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus Christ is that doorway, number one, that leads unto blessings. Jesus is. He's the door. We go through him. I just thought that was awesome how the Old Testament ties right in with the New Testament. Oh, Yay, we have these things way back from the Old Testament written years and years and years and thousands of years ago. And now here we have Jesus thousands of years later and they perfectly mesh together, together. I am the door. By me, if any... Jesus Christ is the one and only way that that curse is broken. Amen? That the curse of sin can be broken is by this door, number one, Jesus Christ. It says, I am the door. I think Jesus refers to door number two also, the cursings door, in John chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. See, Jesus gives us these two options. You either come through him into that land of blessing and goodness, but yes, you have to obey. It's got some strings attached. Yes, you have to humble yourself and say, Jesus, I want to walk through your door. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I am fallen. I need reconciled to God, but I want to come through that door. Or Jesus says, you come up any other way. You know, you're a thief and a robber to me, and you're going to get rejected. You know, those are the two options that we have. New Hope, Jesus is door number one. The only way that there is to break sin's curse is by entering into door number one. I don't care how long you saved. Don't come to me and tell me, hey, brother, I don't have any sin in me. Uh, that is not true. Read your word. We always have sin in us. We always have a need for Jesus Christ in our lives. Every single day, these two doors are in front of us. When you walk out church, there's going to be two doors. Which one are you going to walk through? Which decision will you make? Door number one, with the strings attached, yes, obey. But it leads to blessing. Your marriage will be blessed. Your home will be blessed. There'll be a peace on it. Peace that passes understanding. 
that Lord's blessing will be upon your vehicles. I don't care what it is, it will be upon you. His blessing will be upon your children, your grandchildren. You will be blessed. But he cannot bless you if you take any other way. He cannot. He doesn't even have the ability to bless you if you take that other way because he is so holy and so good. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. If we can turn these lights down. Mike, if you'd like to play something, if you would, please. Brothers and sisters, if you want to have a time of prayer just shortly before we go and come down here and tell the Lord, Lord, I want door number one. I'm going to walk through that Christ door where you tell me that you are the door. I want to walk through that door. Lord, I want your blessing to be upon me. I don't want cursings. I understand, Lord, why now you are the way you are because you're morally perfect, Lord.